are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast brought to you in part by Built Bar. Head to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by Bailey Adams. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, at BaileyJAdams22, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Bailey, welcome back, buddy. Guess who's back? Back again. Guess who's um, back? Tell a friend. Yeah, thanks for having me back. It's It's been a long time, and I uh, hope you're doing well, and I know as everyone's listening to this, it is James's birthday. So everyone stop what you're doing, unless you're driving, continue to drive and be safe, but stop what you're doing and shoot James a tweet at JRCO underscore bucks. Tell him happy birthday. He deserves it. Oh, I, I appreciate that, buddy. Yeah. It's uh it's fun getting old. I am 35 today, but I, you know, they say you're only as old as you feel. And I feel like I'm 67. So that's, not good. Really, really uh, in good spirits there. So, but, uh, you know, people don't want to hear about my birthday. What they do want to hear about, Bailey, is the fact that Tampa Bay Buccaneers tight end Rob Gronkowski is no longer the WWE's 24-7 champion. Uh, there was a video posted on WWE's Twitter account that showed Rob Gronkowski walking out of his house, wearing his belt, getting ready to do some sort of dance. It looked like he was attempting to do the Macarena. No idea how that came back. Um, And R-Truth, does he still go by R-Truth? Do you know? He does still go by R-Truth, yes. Okay, so R-Truth had disguised himself in Gronkowski's yard, snuck up behind him, rolled him up, and won the belt from him. And Gronk would then go on to exercise his release clause from the WWE, basically showing that his focus is purely on being a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2020. Yeah, and to preface this, I know you said people want to hear about Gronk losing the 24-7 championship. I think there are some people in the comment section on Bucks Nation who will disagree with that. They don't want any of this WWE stuff on uh, our Bucks platforms. But we're not talking to those people right now. Uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, it was – it was. If, if I could describe the 24-7 title in two words, it's just dumb fun. Like, it's the skits and, like, little scenes they do with it, it's all just silly and – probably like it's not meant to be taken seriously so if anyone sees that out of context and is like oh my gosh what is this yeah it it looks bad but it's all just dumb like our truth now having won it has won it 36 times Um, (laughs) in the last i think like year or so so it's basically that's like it's basically his his championship and everybody else gets turns with it every once in a while but yeah i'm actually as a wrestling fan and as just a fan of yeah a fan of fun I was kind of hoping they would go further with this. And, and I know they had teased Bruce Arians had teased uh, winning it from Gronk. And, you know, there's been just people kind of speculating as to what would happen, myself included. And then for him to just lose it in what looked like his backyard 
I mean, I don't know. I feel like they could have had a little bit more fun with it. But yeah, it's uh, it was it was kind of funny because I, I don't know if it was his trainer, his friend, who that was getting ready to take the video, but just had the, the most amazing Boston accent, like the most quintessential Boston accent you can imagine. Um, is he's the one who was disguised as the referee, or he ended up pulling off his shirt or whatever jacket he had on, and he had a referee shirt on. He counted the pen, and then he got to tell selling Gronk, "You got to focus now. You're with the Bucks now," and. I wasn't going to try the Boston accent because I wouldn't do it any justice, but I thought the, his part in it was pretty funny. And yeah, Gronk's full focus now, of course, is on preparing for the upcoming season. Yeah. I was, I was kind of hoping we were going to see like first Gronk end zone celebration resulted in Tom Brady jumping on him and pinning him in the end zone during a game (laughs) to become the 24 seven champion. Like, rewind to Fitz magic wearing Deshaun Jackson's clothing. Like, can you imagine Brady post game walking up with the belt slung <laughs> over his shoulder because he became the 24 seven champ during the, the bucks first home game. Like that would have been amazing and hilarious, but these guys are focused on business. And right now the business for Gronk was He came out of retirement. He's a member of the Buccaneers. It's time to focus on that. And so, yeah, I agree. It was, it was campy and it was fun, but I thought they could have done better at the same time. I'm glad they just went ahead and got it out of the way. Gronk said, you know what? Release me from my contract. I can come back later. No big deal, but I am committed to winning a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I can't be having this WWE thing hanging over my head or being a storyline or anything like that, because it's down to business right now. So I, uh, I enjoy it from that aspect. And as a former wrestling fan, I used to watch it all the time when I was you know, in high school and, and college. Um, I remember when they had the hardcore championship and that one was a 24 seven belt. You always mm-hmm. had to be on the lookout to defend the hardcore championship. And so it kind of took me back to that time, not knowing anything about current WWE saying that there was a 24 seven champion. I'm like, Oh, the old, like Mick Foley, hardcore Holly, Al Snow, uh, you know, those guys yeah. beating the snot out of each other all the time to constantly defend this belt. Yeah. It's, it's a fun gimmick, but I'm glad that Gronk has put it in his rearview mirror for right now. Yeah, it's funny you say that because when they brought this title, like they were announcing ahead of time, oh, we're going to be introducing a new championship um, tomorrow night. It was like, it was, I think it was around May last year, I want to say. And they said, hey, we're bringing Mick Foley back. He's going to introduce a championship. And so everyone thought it was going to be a re, like a redo of like the hardcore championship. And instead, it was like a, sm- a smaller, like less serious version of it. And I don't know, some people enjoy it, some people hate it. I tend to enjoy it just because I like dumb fun and it's not hurting anyone. But yeah, it's funny that you say that because they brought Mick Foley back and everything just to, just to uh, introduce it and kind of, they kind of played everyone because everyone was like, Oh, hardcore titles back. And then no. Yeah. That's not a very nice tease. Yeah. They do that. You know, what's not a tease. What's not a tease. How delicious built bars are. We're going to be talking about Peter King's uh, power rankings here in a minute. But first, you know, we got to talk about our friends over at Built Bar. That's right. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And they are great for the health conscious person. You can lose or maintain 
weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. And you know I love the peanut butter brownie. 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, three grams of sugar, three grams of net carbs. Built Bars come in 16 amazing flavors. Some have nuts, some don't. But for those of you that have allergy concerns, the nut-free flavors are made completely separate from the nut flavors, so there's no cross-contamination issues that you have to be concerned about. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they are soft and easy to chew. Head over to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you will get $10 off your first order. Again, that is promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Shifting gears here on the Locked on Bucks podcast, I am joined by good friend Bailey Adams. It's been a while since he's been on. Excited to talk to him. And we are going to start talking about Peter King's uh, recent column over at Pro Football Talk, where he is basically ranking all 32 NFL teams, basically like a power ranking. And it's a, it's a silly exercise. We do it. He does it. We uh, we acknowledge that it's kind of silly because we haven't seen any of these teams on the field for 2020. We haven't seen the changed rosters or, or how they're playing together, but it's a fun exercise nonetheless. So he he goes in and number one, number one's going to be number one. You have the Kansas City Chiefs up there. You have the Baltimore Ravens at number two. He has the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at number five. We're gonna get into uh, <clears throat> we're gonna get into numbers uh, three and four here in just a bit, but this is what Peter King had to say about his ranking of the Buccaneers. Quote: Last year, my email bag got overstuffed with zingers after I picked the 49ers coming off six and ten and four and twelve seasons, number seven in my spring power rankings. You all turned out to be right about my misjudgment of the Niners, sort of. Actually, I underrated them. So I learned my lesson. I've inflated the Bucks. It's part Tom Brady. The turnovers are one thing. Last year, the Bucks threw 30 interceptions. In the last five years, Brady has thrown 29. And it stands to reason Brady will, will lift a franchise that hasn't won a playoff game since Brady's first season as a full-time starter, 2002. I do not believe he's fallen off some cliff at 43. It's a cliche. He's not going to be the deep ball thrower coach Bruce Arians would most want at the position, but he will be the kind of player and leader this franchise has lacked at the position for a long time. This is also about the team Brady inherits. Last year, the Bucs entered the final two weeks on a four-game win streak, 7-7, and with winnable home games against Houston and Atlanta. Three Jameis Winston picks in the first 16 minutes doomed Tampa against Houston, and Winston's overtime walk-off pick six lost the Falcons game. So easily, with just a little ball security, the Bucs could have been 9-7. and seven. Anyway, Tampa Bay was close to being the, N- the next big NFC thing. Brady and maybe tight end Rob Gronkowski, assuming he's still Gronk, should make an explosive offense more efficient. The defense needs to be a tick better. 
keeping Shaq Barrett and Dominican Sue and Jason Pierre-Paul and continuing to build around defensive keystone Devin White at middle linebacker are smart moves. Developing a better secondary, the team's Achilles heel, should be helped significantly by second-round safety Antoine Winfield Jr. Nothing's guaranteed, particular, particularly in a season with the tough AFC West on the schedule, but I think the Bucks have a good chance to be 2020's breakout team. Bailey, I've just talked for a long time. Uh, I'm going to kick it over to you for your initial reaction here as to what Peter King is saying about the Buccaneers in 2020. That's a lot of things that Peter King said about the Buccaneers in 2020, but one that really stuck out to me now that we're rereading this, he did not mention about the defense, did not say a thing about Levante David, and uh, I'm kind of annoyed about that. But that aside, I mean, we should be used to that by now, but that aside – it's surprising, but at the same time, it's not. Because just about a month ago, ESPN came out with their post-draft power rankings. They had the Bucks at seven. So the Bucks are getting a lot of love because of just the addition of Tom Brady and then, of course, the team that he has around him already you know, seems to be pretty good. But you, know, you add somebody like Tom Brady, who's won six Super Bowls, been to nine, you're going to get a lot of love, especially a guy. I mean, he's been in the spotlight his entire career in New England. So now he's making this big change after 20 years. You're going to get – you know, a lot more attention on you. And, you know, the Bucks are a popular pick right now. Um, you know, I don't really see too many reasons to disagree with Peter King and what, what he said. I mean, the, the turnover thing is obviously is huge. Uh, you know, you don't throw 30 interceptions last year. You know, you probably win, I don't know how many more games, a, a good, a few more games at least. You might be looking at nine and seven, 10 and six, maybe even 11 and five. If you look at some of those games earlier in the season that, you know, turned out to be just epic failures of, of uh, performances by Jameis Winston. I mean, you look at the game in London, and then you look at a game like the Titans game that the Bucks probably should have won, you know, if, if the refs don't blow the whistle when they do and all that. You know, so there's quite a few games last year where, you know, if the Bucks win those games, they might be more in the playoff conversation than they were going into week 17. So, you know, with them being close enough in, in that regard, now you add Tom Brady, now you add Rob Gronkowski, you keep your defense together. You add some more talent through the draft. You know, you look to have shored up your offensive line with a guy like Tristan Wirfs. Yeah, I mean, this team this team could be uh, one of the top contenders this year. I think more cynically, it's, it's difficult to see, um, you know, Tampa Bay at, at the number five spot in the power rankings like this because no one – we're just not used to this. So, I think – I don't know if I'm alone. I could be, but I just am still somehow expecting something to go wrong because are we really going to see a Bucks team that's top five in the NFL and top three in the NFC? I, I don't know. Yeah. I, as Buccaneers fans, we've all been kind of conditioned over the years that something bad obviously has to happen. That's why we, you know, slightly semi joked that of course the Buccaneers would get Tom Brady in a year where football won't happen. Uh, obviously, it's, it's looking like uh, we're getting closer and closer to making sure that football does happen. <clears throat> but one of the things that, that I took away with this was I, I, I take a little issue with Peter King calling the secondary the team's Achilles heel because I don't feel that's an appropriate representation for what that unit did down the stretch last year. 
David and I have talked about it quite a few times that, you know, we saw once Vernon Hargraves left. And again, that doesn't mean that it was Hargraves' fault. It just so happens that the timelines match up this way. But Vernon Hargraves was sent out the door. It was left in the hands of Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy Bunting, and Jamel Dean. Dean had that really rough game against the Seahawks. But after that, you know, this secondary was one of the better units across the NFL. You know, they were constantly towards the top of the list of pass breakups and and opposing quarterbacks uh, ratings and forced incompletions and things like that. So they were they were certainly an Achilles heel early in the year. I think we can say in the first half of the of the season, the defense was not a strong unit, but we we saw in the second half of the year how good they were. So yeah, that's kind of what I what I took a little bit of issue with. Of course, I'll agree with you. Not mentioning Levante David stings a little bit, but you know Peter King is kind of reiterating a lot of the things that we've talked about on this podcast. We've talked about over RebucksNation.com that the Buccaneers are talented enough to be a playoff team. They should have been in the postseason last year. It was these self-inflicted wounds that cost this team three, four wins, you know, in and of themselves. And Peter King points out those final two. And, you know, the roster's loaded with talent, front to back, both sides of the ball, loaded with talent. And you need that Tom Brady player leader, as Peter King mentioned, to get them over that hump and utilize this talent the best way possible without making the mistakes that cost this team winnable games and playoff positions. Yeah, absolutely. And to hit on on your points about the secondary, yeah, I agree. I wouldn't say it's necessarily the team's Achilles heel at this point, but I'm also not too surprised and not too shocked that a national guy like Peter King kind of still feels that way because I doubt he really watched much of the Bucks, you know, in the latter part of last year. I don't know that he necessarily got to see for his see for himself the improvement that that group made. And I know he's probably he probably is probably drawing a little bit from just the the standard that the Bucks have played up to in the last several years with their secondary. Their secondary has been a problem for quite some time. So he might still be kind of feeling the effects of that and, and thinking that way without really knowing just how much they improved over, you know, the last, what was it, last half of the season almost. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you there. That's not necessarily the Achilles heel. I think there, honestly at this point might be more questions about how the O-line will, will gel together. But, yeah, I mean, just to your point, too, about, being three or four wins better last year than they actually ended up. Yeah. I mean, if you look at Tom Brady and you look at the roster around them, there's no reason this team shouldn't contend. And it just, you kind of have to wonder what's, you know, how, how's everything going to come together once they take the field and how are they going to navigate the schedule that they have? Um, you know, with where it's tough in some spots, easier in other spots. And, you know, we'll just have to see how everything unfolds as, as the weeks go on. So if if you had to pick an Achilles heel for this team right now by default, would you say it's the offensive line? To an extent, yeah, I think so. And more specifically, if we're getting specific with it, it's the the run blocking of the offensive line because okay. it's such an unknown right now. Um, you know, pass blocking was pro- a problem at times last year, but I think their run blocking is if you're pinpointing an Achilles heel, it's probably that. Okay, fair enough. I was just curious. Wrapping things up here on the Locked on Bucks podcast, we are talking about Peter King's 
power rankings that he released over at Pro Football Talk. And Bailey, for this last segment, we're going to talk about the other two NFC teams that Peter King has in these power rankings in the top five. At number three, he's got the New Orleans Saints. And at number four, he's got the San Francisco 49ers. So let's start within the division. How do you feel the Buccaneers stack up against the New Orleans Saints, who are not only the team to beat in the NFC South, but many believe they are the team to beat in the NFC? It's a, it's a really intriguing matchup, and I'm, I'm glad that we're going to get to see it twice this year because I feel like you know something could decide the first game that they meet, and then seeing it again just to kind of see if, if they split, if one team you know proves dominance over the other one. On paper, I think these rosters are very, very close. The Saints, obviously, are, are kind of more there in terms of having been there and done that over the last few years as an organization. They've, they've been in the playoffs. They've been at the top of the NFC South. They've been, you know, contending for Super Bowls. So I don't really have any – I can't take issue with Peter King ranking the Saints over the Bucks, But I think, you know, we'll get to see it on the field, thankfully. But I think there's, um, you know, there's a lot between these two teams that it's going to keep it close. Yeah, it's funny. Peter King points out in this that in their last 33 regular season games, the New Orleans Saints are 23 and 5, except against the Buccaneers, who they are 3 and 2 against. That's an interesting little tidbit. So, two of their seven losses in 33 games have come at the hands of Tampa Bay. And one of those was to Ryan Fitzpatrick, was it not? It was. In New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Interesting, interesting. So, yeah, I I agree. They are the, I don't want to say class of the NFC South because that sounds like they're a classy team and they're not because Sean Payton's a terrible human. Um, <laughs> but they are the the team to beat. They are the team to put, you know, on the walls in in the locker room that this is if we are going to get where we want to go this is the team we have to take down but i think the addition of tom brady and the ability to keep that that front seven most notably shaq barrett and jpp there is a razor thin margin between the saints and the bucks and I think the difference right now on paper boils down to the running back position. Ronald Jones is not Alvin Kamara. Keyshawn Vaughn, probably not going to end up being Alvin Kamara. I think that's where the biggest difference lies with these two teams. So it's going to be about can Ronald Jones or Keyshawn Vaughn step their game up to be a legitimate threat in the run and the passing game to at least close to the level of Alvin Kamara, because if that happens, there is absolutely no reason that the Buccaneers cannot go toe-to-toe with the New Orleans Saints, no matter the situation. It doesn't matter if it's in New Orleans, doesn't matter if it's in Tampa, doesn't matter if it's in January. These two teams will be so neck-and-neck as far as their talent that it, it would be a pure coin flip situation between the two. So that's my view on, on that one. Moving over to number four, 
Peter King has the San Francisco 49ers, the defending NFC champions. When you take a look at this 49ers team that that no longer has DeForest Buckner, but you know they they go out and they get Trent Williams, they trade up and they get Brandon Ayuk, they still have Richard Sherman. How do you view the Niners compared to the Buccaneers? I think it's a little trickier with this one because if you look at the talent on paper, I think defensively San Francisco takes the cake. I mean, San Francisco's defense is is going to be very good again, I think. I mean, I, I think if you look at the offense, though, I don't I don't even know if it's that close. I, I, Jimmy Garoppolo, I know, gets he takes his lumps um, as far as, like, on a national level. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback, and I think, um, you know, obviously he proved last year that he can take a team to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, obviously with the help of, of a really good defense. But if you compare these two teams talent-wise on paper across the board, I, ugh, it's hard. I, you can't really argue against putting the defending NFC champions who, you know, bring most of their team back and add a guy like Trent Williams and Brandon Ayuk. You add those guys to an NFC champion team, I'm not going to take any issue with them being ranked ahead of a team that hasn't proven it, you know, for, for quite some time now. Um, but if you look at the two teams, the way they would match up, I think, you know, the Bucks are just like like with the Saints. I think they're kind of neck and neck with the 49ers in terms of talent. It would just be all about how it plays out on the field, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I think you're right in, in that aspect. San Francisco might have the best defense in all the NFL. Yeah. So when you take a look at these two teams, it would be a matter of can this offensive line that has had its issues, that has, you know, they addressed – one of their biggest weaknesses in the first round of the draft in, in Tristan Wirfs, can they hold up against one of the most ferocious pass rushes in the NFL long enough to give Brady time to get the ball, you know, to his receivers? Because I think outside of Richard Sherman, who is still playing at an extremely high level, when you take a look at what the Buccaneers have as far as weapons, and we talk about it all the time, yeah, if Richard Sherman is on on Mike Evans, that might slow things down a little bit. If Richard Sherman is on Chris Godwin, that might slow things down a little bit. But Richard Sherman can't defend both. And he's not going to be defending Gronk and OJ and Brait and Ronald Jones at the same time, too. So the it would be the 49ers pass rush against the Buccaneers' pass protection that would be the difference in this one because the Buccaneers' defense is good enough to stack up against the 49ers' offense. I'm still, to this day, not sold on Jimmy Garoppolo. I wasn't sold on him when he first got to San Francisco. I wasn't sold on him when he got them to the Super Bowl. I think that he's an average quarterback on a really, really great team. But if you're telling me that the Bucs and the Niners are playing one another, my money's going to be on Brady to get the ball out of his hands quickly to his weapons, to his receivers, to continue to you know inch their way down the field, let them make plays after the catch, and not allow that pass rush to get to him because he's one of the best to ever do it with that internal clock of when he needs to get rid of the ball. There's a reason he doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. There's a reason he doesn't get sacked a lot. And it's simply because he gets the ball out of his hands and lets his players create plays. So, again, I think we're talking a razor-thin margin. But 
I would be more inclined to give Tampa the edge over San Francisco right now today than I would be Tampa over New Orleans. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. And I think your point about the pass rush, you know, holding as far as the pass rush versus the Bucks offensive line, that would be absolutely the key between these two teams. Because you look at the, the pass rush, is just unbelievable for San Francisco. And, yeah, I know they lost to Forrest Buckner. They traded him. And, you know, they replaced him with Javon Kinlaw in the first round. And Javon Kinlaw, and I was, you know, doing the research leading up to the draft as, you know, considering he was a potential pick for the Bucks. I, I really liked what I saw from Javon Kinlaw. And I really liked the way he fits there as a replacement for DeForest Buckner, um, you know, in that pass rush. And, yeah, you know, and you, t- you talk about you kind of flip it back around and you hear you flip it to the other side. I do agree, too, that the Bucks defense can match up with the San Francisco offense. You, know, you add Trent Williams, um, you know, at the tackle position, but I still, you know, I still don't really know that the 49ers are going to scare anyone offensively, um, at least not to the point where, you know, you're going to say that they're going to be world beaters. I think their, their defense is what scares you. Their offense kind of just lags behind a little bit. All right. Well, Bailey, any parting thoughts? Because we, uh, we are up against the clock now. Uh, no, no party thoughts. Just uh, hope everyone's staying safe out there and it's good to be back. Hopefully it's not a, another two months before I'm back on again. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure we'll have you on much, much sooner than that. But yeah, it's great to have you back and, uh, and enjoyed this conversation. Good, sir. Yeah, always, always. All right. And of course, you can check out everything Bailey and I are doing over at BucksNation.com. Send us your voicemails to 813-444-5841. Follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at BaileyJAdams22. Follow David at DHarrison82 and of course at Bucks underscore Nation. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day. Stay safe. Stay healthy, wash your hands, and we thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks.